Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Cosmos, Cosmos Space-Time Odyssey, and Cosmos Possible Worlds. Cosmos Episode 7, titled The Backbone of Night. Alright, this much better episode. Way, 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 way better than the episode we discussed yesterday. Like, this felt more like Cosmos. This was closer to what I like about Cosmos. This was closer to where their strengths lie. Uh, it is more personable, it is more interesting, uh, it is more compelling, it is on a grander scale, like, it just works better than that one episode that was just like, hey, look, Voyager Probe, that's cool, like, (laughs) for an hour, like, this just feels better, this just feels more in line with the best of Cosmos, uh, so this episode opens, and we have a really cool way uh, to ease us into sort of talking about mankind's history of knowledge, uh, of just Carl Sagan as an incorrigible youth, just getting very, very curious about the world around him, about the universe around him, and just getting, uh, books from the local library about the stars, uh, getting books in the local library about uh, stars and planets and wanting to understand everything, wanting to understand science and just getting really, really curious and establishing this very, very early love of, like, just hoarding knowledge, essentially, of just getting all this knowledge about everything. And we sort of see, we sort of connect that to him just going back to Brooklyn where he grew up and just, like, walking around and sort of engaging in all this nostalgia. And what I especially love is to bring this all the way around, to bring this, like, just full circle, Carl Sagan then goes to his sixth grade classroom and just teaches a bunch of kids. And we've got a couple scenes throughout this episode where we just watch Carl Sagan just teach the science that he learned over the years to children, teach... 
uh, the things that he was so curious about to the next generation. And it was lovely. It was beautiful. It was an amazing thing to witness. And he's, like, talking to these kids about uh, the discoveries made about the solar system, discoveries made about the galaxy and the universe. Uh, talking to these kids, like, showing them models of how we figure out if a star has a planet orbiting it. Uh, and all of that. And it's just, like, it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. It's an amazing, amazing little deal. It's, it's a great, it's a great thing that we kind of keep coming back through, that we keep coming back to throughout this episode. Uh, and it's so, so great. Uh, and then we go back to Carl Sagan sort of recounting how various phases of early humans sort of viewed the stars. Like, when early humans, from people who discovered fire to, like, just uh, more civilized early, well, civilizations, more uh, civilized peoples that were still very primitive, like, how do those early humans, how do, from hunter-gatherers to early civilizations, how did they look up and view the night sky? Uh, And it was just very, very captivating and really, really beautifully done. And it just kind of puts you in the shoes of these generations upon generations, centuries upon centuries... Uh, millennia upon a millennial, m- millennia of human beings who just were curious about the world, curious about the universe, curious about how things worked, and coming up with their own theories, coming up with their own explanations, no matter how ridiculous they sounded, uh, no matter how ridiculous, like, oh, there are peoples in the sky, living in the sky, with campfires that they sit around. Oh, they must have great power if they're not falling to Earth. Uh, oh, it's the <laughs> milk of Hera. <laughs> Clearly uh, strewn across the night sky and, like, weirdo things like that. Uh, it's it's great to kind of step in the shoes of these early humans, to step in the shoes of these early civilizations and see sort of how they viewed the world. And then we get the thing that we spend the majority of the episode on, which is exploring the scientific golden age of ancient Greece. Now, this differs wildly from that whole look how great Renaissance Holland was tangent from the Voyager episode in a way that makes it infinitely better. Now, what I was complaining about in the last episode was that when we went back and discussed look how great Renaissance Holland was, there really was no narrative through line there. Carl Sagan didn't really do the thing he usually does very well, which is to make this personable and compelling. He really just said, they did this, 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 and this. This, 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 and this thing was discovered in that time. And, like, there just really wasn't anything to latch onto on a human narrative level. There was really nothing to latch onto that was inviting or compelling, which is what he usually does very, very well. Here, however, 
even though he was still discussing macro societal stuff and he was still listing accomplishments, there was a story to it. Carl Sagan was telling the story about how ancient Greece was this like, shining beacon of free thought, this shining beacon of scientific discovery, free from the influences of empires of old that were set in their ways, like, free from any outside interference, they could just be, and they could observe, and they could experiment, and they could deduce, and they could actually come up with these theories and research how the world actually works. Ancient Greece was this shining beacon of scientific thought. Until it wasn't. Like, he literally told the story of, like, man, look how great ancient Greece was. Look how amazing it was. Look at all these things they were able to figure out and pull off. Look at all these things they studied. And he spends a lot of time going through all of this, all the major scientific achievements of Greek scientists. And you see how a society in isolation, free from these old empires set in their ways, can flourish in this regard. But then you start to see that eroding. Then you start to see that sort of crumbling to the ground. And Carl Sagan does a very good job of showing us this transition. When we had the rise of the Pythagoreans, uh, led by Pythagoras and by Plato, who basically, they made some solid advancements. They made some great discoveries. Uh, Pretty much all of modern math is owed to Pythagoras. But then they did something that is a big no-no, in the world of science, where they were just like, yeah, we know everything. We know all the things. We we know how the world works. We know everything we need to know. Everything that has to be known is known. Uh, we're good, guys. Science is done. We need. We don't need science anymore. Uh, we we got all the information we want. No one's allowed to ask any more questions. No one's allowed to bring up any new information, uh, especially if it challenges our worldview, especially if it challenges our theories, not all of which are correct. Uh, Like, nothing can ever... No more learning. We're done learning. We've we've learned everything we need to learn as a society. Shut it down, everybody. Let's all go home. And then started suppressing information that dared to challenge the worldview that the Pythagoreans thought was the truth. Uh, they started suppressing information that challenged their worldview, that challenged the theories they came up with. Uh, and... Suppressed information that they deemed dangerous. Uh, They suppressed the dodecahedron, which they thought was too dangerous for civilization. They suppressed the idea that uh, the square root of two... Like, they suppressed the square root of two because they asserted that everything went back to whole numbers. But the square root of two couldn't be expressed in whole numbers. Like, it couldn't be expressed. It was an irrational number. So... They were just like, oh crap, they can never know the square root of two. (laughs) They can never know the square root of two! Uh, And so, 
like they suppress ideas like this. And what we kind of see is the story that Carl Sagan tells perfectly of just like, here is a society that bloomed uh, in between these old empires stuck in their ways that bloomed and created this uh, just golden age of free thought, golden age of scientific inquiry, uh, where a lot of the principles of modern science were formed uh, initially. And then, slowly but surely, that society, that beacon, sort of erodes with these uh, people who start to make a significant enough advancement to get their foot in the door, and then shut it behind them. <laughs> like, literally, they make just enough scientific advancements to get through the door and then shut it behind for everyone else so no other free thinkers can ever, uh, can ever shape our worldview ever again. Like, and in doing so, they set back science centuries. Like, there were, like, a couple centuries where because of the Pythagoreans, because of what they did... They literally shut off humanity's scientific maturation. They paused it. They pressed the pause button. Uh, in fact, they even rewound it in certain senses. Like, some ideas that we think of as emerging in the Renaissance actually initially emerged in ancient Greece. They were just stomped out before they could really take hold. And then we get the age of Kepler and Copernicus, where these ideas sort of reemerge. Uh, initially, the, helocent the heliocentric model did come from ancient Greece. That did happen. And then Pythagoreans said, no. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> we, we told you. We know everything. We know we've learned all the things that need to be learned. <laughs> There's nothing else to learn. Stop mate, trying to make us learn more things. No. No more learning. Uh, and, like, then you get that age. Uh, you get Huygens, who uh, Carl Sagan has a great bit where he talks about how he discovered uh, distance to the stars. He was the first to estimate the distance to the stars. Uh, and... Like, it, he, he tells the story of ancient Greece very, very well. Uh, and this is the kind of stuff, this is the kind of compelling narrative uh, woven in with scientific knowledge that I love from Cosmos. Like, this is where Cosmos shines. And this is kind of what was missing from that last episode. So anyone who might look at my issues with that last episode, my issues with uh, everything that, Carl Sagan did with that Voyager episode and might think, well, what did you want from that episode? I wanted this. I wanted what this episode does. This episode does everything that that last episode completely failed to do. Beautifully. Just beautifully, 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 beautifully. Uh, anyway, if you like this, favorite podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer, feel free to call in as well. It's a blister special button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468. 
Uh, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the television archive, uh, the television archive supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Uh, just put out an episode last night. It's another pilot finale segment on The Legend of Korra. Uh, I watched the first episode of Korra and the last episode of Korra and compared the two. Uh, it was an interesting... Uh, Got some interesting results there. Got some interesting observations from that. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Or if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow we will be discussing Cosmos Episode 8. Talk to you then.